0: Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you took the time to listen to this message. We think it's going to encourage and inspire you. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Uh, I've wanted to say this for three months. But why don't you guys stay standing while I read uh, just a passage of scripture. That's something that we like to do here at Kingdom Church. And uh, anyone passing by, we're Kingdom Church and we love you. And uh, we're so happy that you could hear These words, so uh, I want to read a passage of scripture, set the backdrop for what we're doing, and uh, just so excited for the next little while as we get back into the building. But this is where I'm going this morning, Psalm 23, you may have heard of this, it's a famous passage of scripture, verse 1 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul and he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, someone say, surely. Surely. Your love and goodness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, somebody, clap your hands if you're happy to be here. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. We love you guys. And uh, just so you guys know, I have been preaching in front of a camera for three months. And uh, the camera doesn't talk back. And I know some of you guys think you're a camera and you don't have to talk back either. But that's not how we do things. So if I say make some noise, I need you all to make some noise. If I say good morning, you guys can say good morning back. Uh... Just love you guys. So glad you could be here. And so I'm going to ask a question right now that you guys can respond to. Anyone here listening to these words, uh, anyone consider yourself a fried chicken lover? Anyone out there like a good... I, I myself, I love fried chicken. And uh, if you guys know Edmonton, uh, not so much St. Albert, but Edmonton has a pretty, uh, a few uh, fried chicken spots that are like really good. And so uh, one thing that happened this last week uh, is that Popeyes, any Popeyes fans? Few people. Uh, Popeyes rolled out uh, this chicken sandwich. Anyone heard about this? And so uh, I'll tell you guys about it. This chicken sandwich, it was very famous uh, in America because Popeyes has good chicken. And so they made this sandwich. They rolled it out in the United States. And what happened when they rolled this sandwich out was that there was literally lines of people just trying to get a taste of this sandwich. And so people would line up in the U.S. for hours and they would they would get close to coming through and then Popeyes would sell out. But there was so much hype around this sandwich, people actually would come back just to get a glimpse, to get a taste of this sandwich. Now, what most people don't know, or, or maybe you don't know, last week in Edmonton, the first and only place in Canada, we got the Popeye's chicken sandwich that was in America. And so I love fried chicken. And so I decided I needed to go get the fried chicken sandwich. So last Friday night, I went to go get this chicken sandwich. And uh, what happened, when I got there, I got to Popeye's, there was a line. And the line literally went like around the building all the way out. And there was this guy there in an umbrella. And because uh, it was hot that day, and so he was keeping himself shaded. He worked at Popeye's. And uh, I asked him, I said, hey, how long uh, of a wait is it? We're at, the, at, we're at the back of the line. He's there. And uh, there's about maybe 30 uh, cars or so. And he said probably about 30 to 45 minutes, uh, and I looked at the line, and it didn't seem that bad, but then he said, oh, by the way, he said, the line does not start here. He said, it starts over there, and then I looked to my left, and there was another, like, 20 cars lined up all to get the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Now, what you need to understand is that I wanted the sandwich to begin with, but what happened was that when I saw that line, we had to go home because we have twin babies. They're right there. Very cute, Um, but... It was their bedtime, and we couldn't wait an hour. Um, but what happened when I left Popeye's, like, I wanted the sandwich when I got there. But when I saw the hype, when I saw the lineup, like, I really wanted the sandwich. You guys know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, how good? Because I'm someone where, like, if there's something really, really good, if there's something that people ha- have talked about, people are experiencing, I'm not someone that just wants to hear about something. I'm someone that needs to experience something. You guys know what I'm saying? And so what happened is I went back The next day, and I got the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Now, uh, there's a point to this story, but if you guys want my official review, do you guys care? Oh, you guys don't care that much. Okay. Um, If you want my review, uh, if you want want to wait in line for an hour, do it. If you don't want to wait in line, go to Mary Brown's because their sandwich is very comparable. Um, But enough with chicken sandwiches. The reason I wanted to tell you that story is because I think that story uh, reveals a truth about us as humans. We as human beings are extremely experiential. And so what that means, as people, we want to and we need to experience things. Like, there, there are times in life when someone can tell you something, and maybe someone will describe something to you, and they'll describe it to you so vividly, you almost feel as if you've experienced it yourself. But at the very end of the day, one thing I know for us as people is that in order for there to be long-lasting change in our lives, in order for us to actually get the best out of anything, we need to experience it for ourselves. You see, one thing I've realized about God is this translates the exact same way because I believe that God is an experiential God. In other words, I believe that God is to be experienced. You see, for so many people, when it comes to God, they've heard about him. Maybe for some people that they grew up in church. Maybe some people have family that that were religious, that they grew up in church, that they were Christians. And so a lot of people can hear about God. But one thing I know to be true is that there is a big difference between hearing something and actually experiencing something. And I just believe that God, the way in which he wants to work in our lives, God does not just want to be heard of. God wants to be experienced. And I began to think and I began to wonder how many people will have a picture or a perception of God, but they've never actually experienced him. You see, if we have an understanding or we have a theology, which is just a fancy word for an understanding of God. If we have an understanding of God that doesn't do something practically for our lives, that doesn't make a difference every single day, it's as good as not having a God at all. And so what I know about God is that God wants to be experienced, and I believe within experience is where life change happens, and so what I want to do this morning, what I want to do in the great outdoors, come on somebody, I want to just go through Psalm 23, because I believe in Psalm 23, there's a few things in there that, that twofold, number one, it shows us the character and the very nature of God, but I believe that when we fully understand the true nature and the true character of God, it will lead to an experience with God that is not just practical, but something that you actually feel and, you can, and, and actually physically changes us. Because I believe God is an experiential God. So we're going to go through Psalm 23. I read the whole thing, but I'm just going to go through it verse by verse. And what I want to do is I want to take little things out and I want to, as best as I can, portray what I believe is the character of God. And so Psalm 23, if you're new to the Bible, a psalm is just, it's a prayer or it's a poem. And this prayer, uh, this song was written by a guy named David. Anyone know who David is? For for some people, you're, you're new to the Bible. David is the guy in the famous story, David and Goliath. Even if you don't have a long church history, you've probably heard that story. And David was a shepherd who defeats a giant. But then David eventually also becomes king of Israel. And David, when he writes this psalm, he writes it as king. And what he's doing, he's laying out really uh, almost a manifesto of who God is. And so that's where we're going to be. Anyone ready? Let's go. Psalm 23, verse 1. And in this verse, uh, I'll be here for probably the majority of the morning. Uh, If you want to follow along, it's on the screen. You can look in your Bible apps as well if you brought physical Bibles. Verse 1 says this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, for, for most people, you've probably heard this verse before in some context. But for a lot of people, what they don't realize is just how rich this verse is and how much is actually in this verse. And, and I'm going to pull a whole lot out of this verse but the very first thing I want us to see is this. It's when David says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. If you have a Bible, highlight my because what David is doing, David is not saying the Lord is a shepherd. He's not saying the Lord has shepherd qualities or shepherd characteristics, which he does, but he's making it very personal. He's saying the Lord is my shepherd. And so, what he is trying to let us know about God is this first and foremost, God is deeply personal. God is deeply personal. Now, we need to understand this because what David is doing, David is breaking the narrative of what it means to be God. Because for so many people, when they have this idea or this picture of God, God connotates something that is large, something that is grander than us, something that is distant. If God is up here, we as humans are way over here. And and, and this is really with any understanding of God. It's like God is so much bigger, so much greater, I can't even comprehend, I don't want to comprehend But what David is doing, David is flipping the narrative. And by saying the Lord is my shepherd, he's letting him know that God is not far, God is not distant. God is a deeply personal God. The Lord is my shepherd. Now we need to understand something as well because there's the pronoun my which describes God, but there's also the idea of a shepherd. Now we need to understand what a shepherd is. Because the reality is this, when we think, and and, and this puts us in perspective, if the Lord is my shepherd, that makes me a sheep, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I'm a sheep. And so what happens is there's also that distinction where it's like, well, the shepherd is above a sheep. But we need, need to understand what a shepherd is in relative terms. And so when David says the Lord is my shepherd, he is saying the Lord is a shepherd to me. What we need to understand is that David was a shepherd himself. And so he knows very well what it means to be a shepherd. And so what we need to understand is to be a shepherd was not a highly sought after position. To be a shepherd was a dirty position. It was a lowly position. It was often the youngest person in the family. And the reason it was a position that was not sought after is because sheep are not the sharpest tools in the shed. Sheep are dumb. Sheep do their own thing. Sheep don't listen. Sheep will put themselves in danger. It wasn't a highly sought-after position. In regards to other descriptions that David could have said about God, he could have said God is, is king, God is majesty, but he says the Lord is my shepherd. Because what he's trying to say is that God is deeply personal, and what he's saying is that the God of the universe has stooped down to our level, and he wants to be our shepherd. He wants to come into our lives and make a difference for each and every one of us. Now, what you need to understand is that this is an Old Testament story. And so what happens in the New Testament is that Jesus comes along. And what Jesus is doing, Jesus is personifying this idea that the Lord is my shepherd. Because what Jesus was doing, Jesus came down into humanity. And the Bible says that when Jesus came down in the form of a baby, as cute as Ember right here. Love you, Embi. Jesus was coming down into our mess. Jesus was coming down into our level because God is deeply personal. You want to know the reason we sing these songs? Because I know a lot of people, they come to church and it's like, why do we sing? Like, it's kind of weird. I don't have a very great voice. Like, I just want to listen. The reason we sing is because we are actually bringing adoration to God. We're saying, thank you, God. Great are you, Lord, that you step down into my humanity, into our humanity so you can understand us. Because God is deeply personal. And so what happens is this, and what I want to do this morning is I want to change our perception of God. Because if we have the wrong perception of who God is, our perception will eventually become our prism. Because the reality is this, we always experience things how we perceive things. And so if we have a picture of God that is contrary to who God actually is, it doesn't matter. All that matters is your picture of God. Is everyone following? And so we need the proper picture of God, otherwise our perception is off. And so a lot of people say, well, what's the point of the Bible? Like, why do I even need the Bible? Can't I just love God and can't I just sing songs? But the reality is this. The reason we have the Bible is the Bible sets a framework and the Bible sets a baseline for who God is. And so the only reason we know God is shepherd is because of the word. But there's other things as well because each and every one of us, we have a bias and we have a, um, a way in which we view things. And so if we say the Lord is my shepherd, we say God is our father in heaven, we need to understand what a father is. Because if our view of father comes from our perception as opposed to what the Bible says, for a lot of us when we see father, we think, okay, that's far and distant is someone that's not around very much. It is someone that didn't even love me. And so we need a proper picture because if our perception is off, then our view of God will be off because what happens is perception becomes prison. So we have brand new baby twins. Everyone, did you guys see them? They got wheeled away. They're probably being loud. Um, But one thing that we're trying to do at the end of the summer is we're trying to plan um, a trip to go see Christy's family, my wife. She lives in BC. And uh, One thing you guys will know with babies is, like, things are hard. With two babies, things are, like, doubly hard. But we're trying to plan this trip, and uh, the reality is, as we plan it, I'm looking at it through the lens of babies, right? And so if you guys know babies, everything is harder with babies. Like, (laughs) um, driving in a car is hard. So I can't even imagine driving for 12 hours in a car with babies, but one thing that as we've been planning this trip, Chrissy has said the same thing over and over to me. She said, you got to stop looking at the trip that way and through that lens. Because if you keep looking at the trip through the lens that says this is going to be hard, this is going to be full of trials, we're going to have to pull over. If we keep looking at God through that, I mean, <laughs> the trip through that lens, all we're going to do and how we're going to experience that trip is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. You're just going to think, man, this sucks. This is the worst. And what she said over and over again, and she says, how you perceive it is how you're going to experience it. And so what happens is I need to change how I perceive it if I'm going to experience it properly. And so what I'm trying to say, I want us to be able to perceive who God is properly so that we can experience who he actually is. Because God is deeply personal. He's deeply personal. And so what this means is this. If God is shepherd, we understood that. He's deeply personal. But that also means that you and I are sheep. Anyone happy to be sheep here? A few people. Here's the thing about sheep. Sheep are below the shepherd. And like I, said, I already said, sheep are dumb. Sheep get into trouble. Sheep go through things. But the reality of this, the beauty that the Lord is my shepherd, means that my shepherd is going to care for the sheep. And I know that the shepherd is going to be there for me. But I think what happens for so many of us, the reason we don't experience God as shepherd is because we ourselves think that we are shepherd. We think that we are in control of our lives. It's like everything that happens in my life is going to become as a result of me. My, 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 my comfort, my security, my future, it's me, me, me. I don't need a shepherd because I am shepherd. But what I believe to be true is the reason that God wants to be shepherd in our lives is because each and every one of us, we actually cannot be in control. And when we are in control, inevitably and eventually, it will be too much for us. And the reason it will be too much for us is because we were never meant to be in control. We were never meant to be shepherd. We were always meant to be sheep. But what happens is when we try to live as a shepherd, we will inevitably and eventually lose control because we cannot control everything. I think this is what we saw the last four months with COVID-19. Come on, somebody. I think there was a whole bunch of us that we thought we were in control of our lives. I know what's going to happen next. I know what the next two weeks are going to look like, the next two months are going to look like. Plan, 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 plan. But what happens is all it takes is one thing, and suddenly we realize we don't have the control that we thought we had. You see... What I believe to be true is that we can either give up control or control will be taken from us, either by something in life, a tragedy, or something like we just saw with COVID-19. But the reality is this. If the Lord is my shepherd, what that means is I don't have to be in control. I don't have to control every little detail in my life because I know that there is someone that cares for me, someone that is going to walk there with me. You want to know what the result is when we try to be shepherd? It's anxiety. You guys ever been there? Have you ever been in a place where you think everything falls on you? Where you think this thing falls on me, if I mess up, it's all on me. That's, that's a lot of pressure. And I think the reason that we live in a world where anxiety rates are higher than ever before is because we live in a world where people think I'm in control. And I'm going to seize control because I'm shepherd. But what God is telling us this morning is that the Lord, Jesus, God is our shepherd. I don't have to be in control. I can give him control. And that actually frees me to be who I'm supposed to be. The Lord is my shepherd. Verse 2 and 3, because we've got to keep going. He says um, in Psalm 23, verse 2, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul, and he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Now, what you need to understand and why we need to know that the Lord is our shepherd is everything that happens in the rest of this psalm builds on that. Because what he's saying is if the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is going to make me lie down in green pastures. He is going to lead me beside quiet waters. He will refresh my soul. And so the reality of what he's saying David is saying, if God is my shepherd, the Lord is going to lead me. In all of these rich metaphors, green pastures, still waters, refreshed soul, it's this idea of rest. Because here's what God wants to give each and every one of us, and here is what each and every one of us wants so deeply. We want rest. That's what we want. And the shepherd brings us rest. And the reason the shepherd brings us rest is because we don't have to have the pressure that says, it's all on me the shepherd will lead me there's a man named philip keller and he wrote a book called a shepherd's look at psalm 23 and i want you to see what he wrote about a sheep because it applies so directly to our lives this is what he says he says sheep do not lie down easily and they will not lie down unless four conditions are met because they are timid they will not lie down if they're afraid because they're social animals they will not lie down if there is friction among the sheep If flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. Finally, if sheep are anxious about food or are hungry, they will not come down. They will not lie down. Rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine. You see, the richness of this metaphor and what David is trying to say, he's saying in the same way, he says our souls will not have rest if we have friction in our lives. If we have fear in our lives, if we have famine, if, we, if we're longing for something. And so what happens for so many of us is that our souls, we know deep down inside something is missing. But when we live life as shepherd, we say, well, what then can I do to fill this hole? What then can I do to fill this gap? Because I feel it. I feel this hole. And the Bible is saying we need a shepherd, but what so many of us do is we try to fill it ourselves. And so we say, well, maybe a relationship will fill this gap. Maybe if I just have that person, that person will fill this gap in my life. Maybe if I just get that dream job, maybe if I just get that dream house, maybe if I have all of these things, then I will feel full. Then I will finally have rest. But what happens in what he's saying, he's saying, you've been looking for something, but the answer has always been in a shepherd. But you've been trying to fill that hole yourself. You have a hole in the wall, but you've been trying to cover it with duct tape. That's what he's saying. And so what happens is we search and we search and we search, but we don't find what we're looking for. And so some of us, I know, we're saying to ourselves, well, it's like, Harrison, you know what? I'm going to be honest. Like, I get some people have some some rough things in life, but to be honest, I don't really have God in my life, and my life is okay. I don't actually feel that empty. I live in St. Albert. Come on, somebody like i have everything i need like i'm actually pretty good and i and i agree with you there are people and you can have a life without god that is actually good you can have things that will actually make you feel good but this is what i believe to be true when you experience great you'll never want to go back to good listen to this listen to this how many guys anyone been to galaxy land here west and Tamal? now galaxy land's pretty cool there's like the drop of doom and the roller coaster when it didn't break, like, it's really cool, um, and all this stuff. And if Galaxyland is your only reference for an amusement park, Galaxyland is the bomb. How many guys been to Disneyland? How many guys, when you went to Disneyland, you looked at Galaxyland in a whole new way? Because, like, Galaxy Land is really good if you have no reference, but once you've been to Disneyland, it's like, I don't really care about this weird green Martian, I want Mickey, and so listen, because so many of us, we will live our lives, because a lot of us, we have friends. And it's like, man, my friends aren't Christians, but their lives are okay. The reality of why we question how could their lives be okay is because you yourself have not experienced Jesus. Because when you experience Jesus, when you experience the fulfillment, the greatness of what he wants to do in your life, you cannot live a life without him. It's like it's like Galaxy Land, but you've experienced Disneyland. And so what he's saying, he's saying whatever we're searching for, he's saying the answer is in God. The Lord is my shepherd. But here's the thing, and I believe this to be true. No matter what situation, no matter what person, no matter what the context, circumstance, each and every one of us will come to a time, we will come to a season where life will cease to be good. We'll go through hard times. We'll go through heartbreak we will go through tragedy look what David says next he says even though I walk through the darkest valley I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff they comfort me now I want us to understand this because what David is saying David David is not saying if I go through the walk if I if I walk through the darkest valley he's saying when I walk through the darkest valley because each and every one of us will have a season. Each and every one of us will go through something in life that is a dark valley. We're, we're inevitably going to get there. Now listen to this. Here is actually the beauty of Jesus. Because some of us have a picture of God that says, if I have God in my life, I'm never going to go through anything. That, that's the idea of prosperity preaching prosperity gospel. It says, because I follow God, I will be blessed, I will have financial success, I'll never be sick, I'll never be hungry, things will be good. And that sounds great, but that actually goes against the reality of what the Bible says, and more than that, the reality that we experience. Because I know people that love Jesus, but go through hard times. I love Jesus, but I still go through hard times. And so what David is saying, he's saying, even though I walk through the darkest night. Look what he says next, verse five. He says, "You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil; my cup overflows." Listen, what David is saying when he says, "You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies," he doesn't say in the absence of my enemies. He says in the presence. What that means and what God wants to do in each and every one of our lives. God does not want to be a figure. God does not want to be something that we think about, something that we go to, an event that I attend. God wants to be there with us in the presence of our enemies, in the midst of our hard times, in the midst of our darkest days. God wants to be there in the midst of it. He wants us to experience him. Listen, can, can I be totally, totally honest? God, in a nutshell... God does not want to. God does not need to give us anything because he's already given us everything through Jesus. But if there's one thing that we need from God because we do need something, is his presence. We need his presence. Because when we go through those hard times, when we feel the worry and the anxiety of a pandemic, when we lose a job and our hope is fully in us, and I have nothing to look forward to except whatever social media tells me, if that's my hope, If my hope is in a politician, if my hope is in a government, if my hope is in something that is fleeting, we'll never experience rest because what we need is a shepherd. You prepare a table for me in the present. Listen to this. God does not promise an escape from the storm, but his presence in the midst of it. That's the promise of God. Listen, I I experienced this so powerfully this week. I was speaking to a friend. And they were going through an unimaginably hard time, more than I could even express. And my heart was so, so heavy. But one thing that they said, and, and when I say it was a hard time, it was a really hard time. And it, it, it broke my heart, but one thing that they said that encouraged me beyond belief they said, No matter what, like this is the worst experience of my life, yet God feels close. I said, I feel God right now. Because listen, when tragedy comes, we don't need anything, we don't need fancy arguments, we need presence. We need to experience God. He says, you prepare a table in the midst. Listen to this, friends. What is in me, this is what God wants to do. What is in me, if God is in me, it will always be stronger than what's around me. And so what that means, worship team, I want you guys to come back up here. We're going to close. What that means, if what is in me is stronger than what's around me, that means it doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't matter what the world looks like. And for the last four months, we've seen things we've never seen before. But the reason I can have peace, the reason I can have hope, the reason I can have joy is because you can take away what's around me, but you can't take away what's in me. And what's in me is the presence of God. But listen, it starts with us understanding who God is. God is deeply personal and we need to develop a theology, we need to develop a picture of God that says God wants to intervene in my life. God wants to make a difference in my life right here, right now. I need a shepherd. You don't need that car, it's nice though. I need a shepherd. Listen, I I wanna speak to someone for these last four months, maybe you've been looking for things. You've been looking for hope in a person you've been looking for hope in in, in a better article being shared like man i hope tomorrow has positive news i just hope the numbers go down i just for anyone you've been looking for hope in something can i encourage you today what if you put your hope what if you put your trust in jesus the person that's the same yesterday today and forever the person that does not change the person that is not affected by what's going around us By what government's in control, by what disease is out there. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, David, he finishes the psalm and he says, Surely, because what David is saying is, when I understand this, when I have this picture that God is, is, is with me, that He's my shepherd that he's going to lead me, that, that he's going to give me rest, that he's going to be with me in my hardest times. David now says he finishes it. He says, if I understand this, if I can experience this, God, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. You're going to be with me, your presence, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen to this. To dwell in the house of God, this building is nice. It's not the house of God. Because otherwise the house of God has been closed and we can't speak to him for four months. The house of the Lord right now, right here, you know what it is? It's you. It's me. You're you're the temple of God. He wants to dwell in you. Surely his presence. I can be with God anywhere, anytime, any circumstance if I understand who he is. The Lord is my shepherd. Hey, can we stand real quick? We're going to wrap up. I want to speak. I want to speak to anyone. In this last season, man, you felt heavy. You felt like everything fell on you. You felt like there was no hope. I just, I just believe hope is on the horizon. I just, I got a word from the Lord. I was driving this morning, and it was raining, and uh, <laughs> we're doing all this outdoor stuff today. But it was really cool because in the distance, as I was driving, I was on uh, McKenny Ave. There was like all this blue sky in the distance, and I don't know where it is or where it went but I just sort of felt the Lord speak to me in that moment saying, hope is on the horizon. Hope is on the horizon. And so listen, for a lot of us, we've been through an unimaginably hard season. It's been a tough season. We've lost jobs. Some of us have lost relationships. We've lost friendships. We've lost income. I want to encourage you, hope is on the horizon. But guess what? The hope is not in anything that you're going to do. It's not in anything you have to do. The hope is in Jesus. I want to read one last verse, this is Jesus in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 11. It's an invitation. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come on somebody, we need rest. So right now, in this moment, before we sing this last song, I just want every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I just want to give people the opportunity to respond. Maybe you're saying to yourself, Harrison, I've heard about Jesus, but I need to experience Jesus. I want to invite him here right now, right this moment. I want to experience what it's like to dwell with the God. If that's you right now, you want to make a decision. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's a recommitment. Maybe you need hope. If you wanna make a decision for Jesus, I wanna give you that opportunity. It's super simple, all I'm gonna say is just just raise your hand, we're gonna pray together. I'ma count to three, if you wanna just make that decision, just raise your hand, you wanna follow Jesus. Three, two, one, just raise your hand. Come on, why don't we pray together? I wanna hear y'all like we're in person. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me, and thank you for choosing me. I give you my everything. I give you my wins, and I give you my sins. Make me a new creation. Amen. Hey, let's clap our hands. Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope it was something that you needed to hear. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca slash connect. We'd love to get in touch with you. Until next time, take care.